Hello, all of you, and welcome to Grace Baptist Cartersville podcast. Before I turn it over to Pastor Kyle, Hello again. Welcome back to the Grace Baptist Church podcast. Before we do anything, I want to say first, thank you for listening to our podcast, for joining us in a way. Now, I want to encourage you to take the next step. I would love for you to reach out to us at Grace Baptist. You can do so through Facebook, through Instagram, through our YouTube pages. You can also email me. My name is Kyle Clayton. I'm the pastor at Grace Baptist Church. Feel free to email me anytime at Kyle, K-Y-L-E, at gracecartersville.com. Okay, all that aside, let's go ahead and jump in. Now, last week, if you listened to our show, then you know that we began highlighting some of those names that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11, what many refer to as the Hall of Faith. We decided, though it is quite an honor to be mentioned in this chapter, it doesn't mean that we put these people on a pedestal. It doesn't mean that they are better than The people that are name-dropped are just that. They are people. We covered Noah specifically last week, and in his case, while he is a man of faith in a faithless time, Noah still sinned. These are examples. They are encouragements for us to learn what a life of faith truly looks like. They give us real-life experience of putting our faith to work, something that we've been talking about for over 10 weeks now at this point. You go ahead and have your Bible. Turn to Hebrews 11 with me. We will be jumping around in the Bible, but not near as much as we did the week before. So hold your spot in Hebrews. We'll also be going to Genesis right at the beginning of the Bible. And this week's example of faith will be no other than Abraham. Abraham himself has his own distinction in Hebrews 11. This chapter spends more time talking about him his family, and his faith background than any other person that is listed. Why is this the case? Well, it's from Abraham that he believed in God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. No doubt there are several instances where Abraham had to show a sincere faith, especially when it was apparent only an intervention from God could make something happen. Now, we won't cover his entire story, uh, nor everything that is said about him, even in Hebrews chapter 11, but we will take a look at maybe his most important trial. So if you would, read along with me, Hebrews chapter 11, and pick up at verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. He received the promises, and yet he was offering his one and only son, the one to whom it had been said, your offspring will be called through Isaac. He considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead. Therefore, he received him back, figuratively speaking. Let's pray together. Oh God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example of Abraham that while he was a man, his faith carried him through. He got to see wonderful things and your work at hand. Lord, we pray the same. Build a faith within us that follows through. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You read those few verses and you read things like tested, 
tried, faith enacted, promises preserved, and ableness. These are some of the main themes that we'll be looking for today. But for now, we're going to head back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 22, and read just a little bit more of his story. We want to expand on what we've just read in Hebrews. So flip on back to Genesis chapter 22 and begin at verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abraham got up early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to go to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship. Then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand, he took the fire and the wood, and the two of them walked on together. Before we begin, let's set the stage just for a minute of where we are in Abraham's life. Abraham had been a pagan farmer and one day followed God. Faith developed within him, and because of his faith, God called him righteous. No different than anyone else in the Bible, no different from anyone who is living and breathing today. Abraham was an old man that had never had any children, and he and his wife Sarah were promised by the Lord that they would be the parents of God's chosen people. How is it that Abraham failed in his life? Losing a little patience with the Lord, Abraham and Sarah devised their own plan that they thought could speed up the process of Abraham having a child, and what happens is he has one out of wedlock with a servant, Hagar. This child, Ishmael, would be sent away, but God promised that Ishmael and his people would be a thorn in the flesh for the rest of Abraham's people. And, spoiler alert, even to this day that is the case. Of course, in God's sense of humor... That's right about the time all this is taking place that Sarah, his wife, indeed becomes pregnant with Isaac. Isaac will be the firstborn to receive the inheritance from his father. Boy, Kyle, is this really enough to call Abraham a failure? That seems to be pretty strong language, and you're absolutely right. But we've got to remember, even though Abraham receives more press than anyone else in Hebrews 11, what we call the hall of faith, he failed as a sinner just like the rest of us, just like you and just like me. But God used him anyway. There's no doubt that Abraham had to have some questions regarding the instructions that were given to him by the Lord in what we've just read. Any sane human being would have questions and doubts, but don't forget questions and doubts should not be a deterrent for our faith. Our faith should be seen. We can learn a lot from Abraham just by his initial response to the Lord. Here I am. It wasn't, hang on a second, Lord, I was doing something else. And it wasn't, Lord, I'm awful busy at the moment. Could you come back later or check on someone else? Abraham stating, here I am, shows a humbled and surrendered spirit that is ready to perform the task that is before him. So what are the actions of Abraham done in obedience? Well, he didn't delay When God instructed him, 
he got up, got up early the very next morning before sunrise to start the process and start the journey. I want to ask you, are you a snooze button person? Uh, if you're anything like my wife, you may not want to confess it, but she is one that will set so many alarms to sleep right up until the very last instant before you've got to get up in a hurry and get going. I'm not that way. I set one alarm because that's the time that I need to get up. But anyways, notice our snooze button people. This is not the way that Abraham reacts. This isn't the action of Abraham. Now, granted, he didn't have an alarm clock and they didn't even have that technology. He immediately, when it was morning, got up and began preparing for what the Lord had asked of him. It wasn't on Abraham's time. He was on God's time. He got his men ready, and he also got Isaac. Abraham didn't want to pay lip service to God by saying he'd prepare a sacrifice. He went about making sure that it happened. He chopped wood. Now, chopping wood is never easy, but imagine Abraham approaching or surpassing a 100 years of age and chopping wood by himself. Couldn't he have asked these young men to help him? Couldn't he have asked Isaac to help him? Yeah, but they were supposed to fulfill a servant's role. And Abraham was supposed to fulfill the servant's role to the Lord. And so there was no doubt that Abraham was the one that needed to do this. But if Abraham had been asked to make a sacrifice, he is the one that is meant to prepare to make the sacrifice happen. So Abraham puts in the work fully intent to follow through with the Lord's instruction. Again, from the words of Abraham, what are his intentions? He tells his servants to wait. He and Isaac are going to go up to Mount Moriah to worship. Even though he didn't fully understand, even though Isaac was a direct answer to God's plans already, and Abraham didn't know how God's plans could continue without Isaac, nevertheless, Abraham was prepared to worship. There's also an expectation with Abraham. Did you notice that in our Hebrews text? If you need to go back and check on it, check on it. Verse 19, Abraham considered God to be able even to raise someone from the dead. How could the author of Hebrews make such a statement? Easy, from the statement that was made to the servants. If you look in the text that we gave, we'll go worship and then we'll return. We haven't even read it yet, but we're about to. After they've prepared what they're going to take with them, they then have to make a trek to the place that God had told them to go. It's not down the street. This entire trek took three days, and with all of this turmoil going on in Abraham's mind, he walks in obedience. Surely there had to be doubt present, but it wasn't enough to distract him from following through with worship in faith. All right, let's continue reading the rest of the story. Pick up at verse 7. Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father. And he replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told him about, Abraham built the altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out, took the knife to slaughter his son. 
But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, here I am. Then he said, do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught in the thicket by its thorns, by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram and offered it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named that place, the Lord will provide. So today it is said, it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Yes, this is a story of Abraham's obedience, but let's not cast aside the faith of Isaac in the story as well. First, can you imagine looking at all the tools, looking at all the checklist of items that you need in order for a sacrifice to happen, but then realizing there isn't a lamb? Boy, that conversation had to get awkward in a hurry. But in all honesty, Isaac asks a great question. This question, where is the lamb, is the question of the entire Old Testament. Since Adam and Eve sinned against God in Genesis 3, this is the question asked by all of God's people. Where is the lamb, the sacrifice that will take away all sin? Any sacrifice given by man was only temporary or a signal, a symbol of the needed perfect sacrifice. But let's also consider the faith of Isaac when he is placed on the altar and his father ties him up in verse 9. We oftentimes think of him as just a child, but at this point, many scholars believe that Abraham, nearing 100, surpassing 100 like we've already said, Isaac could very well be in his late 20s or early 30s. He's a man at this point, it would have been easy for him to push over his father and get away, but instead he is quick to follow the instructions of his father. Check marking each step of Abraham's obedience up to this point, we shouldn't then be surprised that Abraham even gets to the point of taking out a knife to prepare to sacrifice his son. And finally, thank goodness, we see the Lord step in to stop Abraham at the very last second. Going through the book of James like we have had, we know that the Lord will test our faith. We know that tests are to build endurance. And when Abraham maybe didn't understand, maybe when he had more questions than answers, Abraham continued to follow in obedience. And seeing the faith of his father, the son followed as well. At first, what seems like a contradiction, God had told Abraham that he would build many nations from him, and now here was the Lord asking Abraham to sacrifice his only son, and there it stops. And what does Abraham name the place? It has nothing to do with the trial. It has nothing to do with his obedience. It has nothing to do with Isaac as a sacrifice. No, Abraham names the place the Lord will provide. One of the names of the Lord that we call Jehovah Jireh. The place is a reminder of what God did. And God, in this case, provided the lamb to take the place of Abraham's son. This passage gives us so many things to chew on. But here are four takeaways and a big idea. We're going to run through these quick. The first one, God keeps his promises. If we want to be a people known for our faith, we must come to the conclusion absolutely that God will keep his promises absolutely. 
when the whole situation seemed bleak and confusing for Abraham, Abraham still instructed the servants to wait for him and to wait for him and Isaac because both would return shortly. Abraham didn't know how. Abraham already considered his son dead, but he knew that God was capable of anything, even resurrecting his son's life. Abraham also knew that God had promised him many years prior that his son would be the beginning of generations to come. Abraham knew God wouldn't turn his back on his word. He would keep his word. And if you asked Abraham, that's exactly what he did. We don't have the answers, and more than likely, God is going to perform in a way that we would not even think. When we don't understand, when we are waiting for God to keep his promises, we need to remember promises that God gives as an endurance and as an encouragement for us. Here are some promises of God through Scripture. The Lord is the one who will go before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you or abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Deuteronomy 31. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. You will have suffering in this world. Be courageous. I have conquered the world. Those are the words of Jesus from John 16. I will instruct you and show you the way to go. With my eye on you, I will give counsel. Psalm 32. So what does God promise? He will be with us. He will never leave us. Even though there's going to be suffering in this world, and that is a promise too, God has overcome this world. And as we try to navigate this cruel world that we live in, God will give us counsel. God keeps His promises. We are to continue in obedience. Second thing, worship when it's difficult. What was Abraham doing when he got up early before everyone else? What was Abraham doing when he chopped the wood by himself? What about when he took this three-day trek going up a hill, knowing the expectation that his son was already dead and yet was also going to be put to death? What was he doing when he laid his only son on an altar and took the knife back? Abraham was in a state of worship. If we proclaim faith, how is it again that our faith grows? Especially, it grows when we stay in a state of worship. How can it grow even more so when we worship when we don't fully understand what's going on? We maintain a posture of worship. We allow the Holy Spirit to continue to build peace within us. Let me ask you, are you known for your reasonableness? Are you known for your moderation, especially when things don't go your way? Do you worship in the morning? Do you worship while you work among your employees? Do you worship when you go home and you spend time with your family? Do you worship consistently on a daily basis? Or are you tossed and turned by the events of the world? Here in Georgia and other parts of the United States, there's a pretty big midterm election this time next week. Does your happiness, does your peace, does your state of worship hinge on the results of that election? Or is your king not up for re-election because your king in heaven never loses his crown or loses his authority? Something to think on. Third thing, the incomplete picture of Jesus. Now, 
this incomplete picture of Jesus, we get into a little bit more of a Bible study in this moment, but this is when I nerd out, okay? Here we go. If you've read many parts of the Old Testament, you know just how difficult it can be to casually read the Old Testament. And I want to encourage you today not to read the Old Testament in a way that you don't dig and dissect a little bit deeper. Because very often, when you least expect it, we get a picture of Jesus or maybe an incomplete picture of Jesus, and it comes up, and it looks forward to the time when Jesus comes. What do we see underneath a couple layers of this chapter? Take a look at Isaac, the only begotten son, who is faithful and obedient to his father. Through Abraham, even though he also had a son, Ishmael, Ishmael was not the recipient of or the heir to Abraham because he was born out of wedlock. Isaac is also the one that carries the wood up to the place where he's going to be sacrificed. After a three-day journey when his father considered him dead, Isaac is alive again. These incomplete pictures... What does it all come to? One, it reinforces the importance of all Scripture, but it also makes the specifics of Jesus Christ all the more divine. This is what it's pointing to. What is it then that Isaac asked, where's the lamb? What did John the Baptist say about Jesus? He said the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, John 1, 29. Still not convinced? How about the other John, the disciple, the revelator? He says, then I looked and heard the voice of many angels around the throne and also of the living creatures and of the elders. Their number was countless thousands plus thousands of thousands. They they said with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. I heard every creature in heaven, on earth and under the earth, on sea and everything in them say, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to the one seated on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. In Genesis with this question lingering of where is the lamb, you and I now know who the lamb is. We know the work of the lamb. We know the triumph of the lamb. And his name, the name of the lamb, is the name above all names, Jesus Christ. Be encouraged by that today. Fourth thing, God will see to it. It's easy to say that God provides but too often that turns into our consumer mindset. We miss the point that God will see to it. Taking the Latin origin of the word provide, and this is what it comes out to, God will see to it. It was God who would see to it that a man the age of Abraham would be a father to many nations. It would be God who saw to it that the ram would be caught in the bushes right at the exact time that it was needed. Who was it that sent the angel at the right time to intervene when Isaac was sacrificed? It was God. And while the world was dead in its sin, God saw to it that forgiveness could be had in the perfect life, sacrifice, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here's the big idea. What does all of this mean put together? We can grow faith in the way that Abraham had faith. But like Abraham, we must be willing to let go.
even let go of things that we cherish the most. Why? Well, to be honest with you, nothing is ours. All of it was provided by the God who provides. Do we have enough faith that God will provide even if he takes something away first? By faith, would you be willing to give up your job? By faith, would you give up your home? By faith, would you even give up a child? My firstborn just turned seven a couple weeks ago. Bless his heart, he's just like his daddy. He's a great brother. He's a good student. He's a good little ball player. But on a daily basis, I've got to remind myself that he's mine only because God has entrusted me and his mom to raise him. And we only raise him as long as God will allow it. We must be diligent to be good stewards that we've got a son and a daughter also, but we've also got to be willing to let go. Hopefully, that's after he's grown and after he's become a man and he's out on his own, but we must also be content even if the Lord decides in his own time that his time on earth is done. Are we, me and his mom, are we willing to praise and worship God even amidst loss? Would we trust God's promises? Would we trust that God would provide? Would we continue to worship because of what God has already given us? Questions that we've got to ask, but also questions that we've got to reckon with. So I want to ask you, what are you dealing with today? Has your worship been thwarted or stunted by outside events, by some things outside of your control? Are you trying to hang on to something that belongs to God? What is it that you're unwilling to let go? Are you waiting for the Lord to see what the Lord will see to it? Are you waiting for the Lord to provide and are you worshiping while you wait? This incomplete picture of Jesus points us to the complete picture of Jesus that we see later on in Scripture, even all the way to Revelation. Is your faith in Him and are you able to endure these trials because of your faith in Jesus Christ? I want to ask you, I'm going to pray for you. Be honest with yourself. What are you dealing with? Are you worshiping God? Do you need to repent because you've turned on God because of the events around you? Or are you at a place where you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ? You've never surrendered and humbled yourself before the Lord in the way that we've seen Abraham do it in the text today. If you've got questions on that, that's another great reason to email me. I'd love to open up that dialogue, see where you're at spiritually, but also guide you and encourage you through whatever trial you may be enduring. Let me pray for us. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the example of Abraham. It's difficult, God. Well, life is difficult. But we know that you are a God that provides. You are one that sees to it that we have what we need, especially the perfect lamb to take away the sin of the world in Jesus Christ. We love you and we thank you 
for your blessings, for your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us. If you need anything, reach out. If not, until then, we'll see you next time. We love God, we serve others, and we show grace.